This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk and Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. What's going on? Andrew Patterson with you along with Michael Remus. Busy show today coming out of the weekend with so much to talk to. Hockey, tennis, basketball, soccer, golf. We're going to be all over uh, so many of the big stories coming out of the weekend. And we're going to talk to Mike McIntyre in Montreal at Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final, which could be wrapped up tonight. The Cup will be in the building as the Tampa Bay Lightning are just one win away from repeating as Stanley Cup champions. And we're also going to talk to our good friend Kyle Ballhary from uh, the Jets and True North. We had so much fun talking about the early episodes of the Jets Legend series. And uh, a number of new episodes are being released beginning today, I believe, including one on the most insane game in Winnipeg Jets history, the 2011 game between the Jets and Flyers, which ended 9-8. That's the next one. So <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about that, about what's to come for Jets fans from the Jets Legend series that's been so well received. Uh, great work by Balls and his entire crew over the course of this year with the pandemic to put these together. So it's going to be a lot of fun. As always, big thanks to our sponsors, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bend, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake, Assiniboia Downs, and CoolBet.com. Don't forget, live racing tonight. We'll get to some picks at the end of the program for our duel at the Derby. Um, welcome to everyone with us in the chat today. Great to see you all here. Um, shout out to everyone listening on the podcast. If you are on the podcast, always helpful. If you want to give us a five-star rating and a review, much appreciated. And of course, for those of you that are with us here, uh, make sure you hit that thumbs up button. Give us a like. And if you haven't subscribed already, please do that as well. Let's get Remus in here. Remo, what's going on? How was your weekend? Hot. It was hot, Huss. Very hot. Very, <laughs> uh, very hot in Winnipeg. So... Uh, I was staying cool yesterday. Uh, I got some outside time the rest of the weekend. But, um, yeah, really hot. So I, there was some debate on Twitter yesterday, and I've been saying this. Like, would you rather, you know, it's Winnipeg. It's pretty funny. In the winter, it's minus 35, and you can't go outside. And now in the summer, it's plus 35, and you can't go anyone, outside. Anyone who says that they would prefer minus 35 to what we had this weekend is certifiably insane. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, get it. Now, I do get it because if you are in a place and God knows I was for a long time that did not have air conditioning, um, it really does suck. And, you know, you got to spend a lot of time taking cold showers or whatever to deal with it. So I guess if you're in that situation, I can deal with it. But um, listen, people still got outside. People still did a lot of stuff over the course of the weekend. And when it's minus 30 or minus 35, that that is not happening. Um, but regardless, this is what is, it's going to cool off tomorrow. And I think this week is going to actually be really, really nice. Uh, looks like we're going to get back up to the high 20s coming up next weekend, which I think people will take. But holy smokes. And, and listen, this heat wave, I know there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the fact that, you know, it's been so hot here. I mean, out west, that Lytton, BC, that town that set those Canadian records and then burned to the ground. I mean, it's... Uh, it is a scary situation, I think, for a lot of people, but um, it's going to be a lot more comfortable anyways. And that is a great thing because, Remo, we're going to see fans in the stands for the first time here in Winnipeg outside of the healthcare workers that got a chance to take in the Winnipeg Jet playoff game. 
And I have a feeling there's going to be a pretty fun festive atmosphere for the 2000 that are able to get into IG Field on Saturday. Because uh, let's start local. <laughs> Valor FC, another 2-0 win on the weekend. Robbie Gale's boys are 3-0, first place in the Canadian Premier League, undefeated on the year. They haven't given up a goal on the year. 3-2-0 wins. And um, they're cruising going into the first game with fans for Valor FC crew coming up on Wednesday night. Uh, I'm, I I just got my two weeks yesterday. I haven't like done whatever you have to do to get the, the mm-hmm. card yet, but I will be doing that. And I'm hoping to be at the game on Wednesday night. Wow. I, I got, I got slow pitch softball starting up Wednesday. So uh, I'm going to be, uh, I'll be have to take this thing down, down to the field to, uh, you know, show my dominance, <laughs> but I don't think I'll be able to attend. But uh, that game, but I mean, first game with fans, uh, first, you know, large scale professional sporting event. That's what they're calling it with fans in Manitoba in, I don't know, since like March of 2020. Uh, pretty incredible. And I think what's also incredible is how well Valor FC haven't given up a goal. We know they kind of struggled in their first season, but they're bringing it together. And I think that's uh, definitely exciting as, you know, they play this uh, Canadian Premier League season and. You'll be, uh, are you going to take it to the game yet or, or what? Uh, How- I'm, I'm working on that right now. Well, and to be honest, and maybe we'll do something tomorrow with Valor. I mean, I was thinking about maybe throwing out an invite to get the beast on, uh, Andrew Jean Baptiste, who had a couple of great conversations back at the old station. Um, he, uh, a huge part of this, um, resurgence of Valor FC, but I'd also like to get someone to talk to, Okay, I'm a fan and I want to go to the game. How does this work? How do I get a ticket? What do I have to mm-hmm. show? What's the process going forward? And that might be some uh, good educationally for fans uh, to get used to whatever this new normal is that we'll be dealing with for uh, for the next little while at IG Field, certainly when it comes to the mm-hmm. soccer games. And, of course, bomber season, Remo, which is uh, just officially over a month away. And, of course, we've got a lot of the bombers we saw on Instagram coming into the city on the weekend and now kicking back for seven days doing the quarantine thing before they uh, start knocking heads with their teammates next week as Bomber training camp gets going. Yeah, today's July 5, so we're a month away from the start of the CFL season. Uh, incredible. I'm getting amped up. I'm going to start reading uh, you know, some previews coming out. Uh, I'm really excited at the idea of playing CFL Fantasy. Again, I haven't done you know fantasy football since the NFL ended, so... We're it's close, man. We can feel it. The Bombers, I think they're in a good spot. A lot of veterans coming back, not a lot of turnover. You know, maybe the maybe you could be concerned about Paul Apolice moving on to Ottawa, but I mean Buck Pierce, he's been a quarterback in the league. He's been with that organization for a while, so I think it should be a seamless a seamless transition there. But you really have to like uh, the Bombers' chances uh, here for a repeat. And also, uh, they, they did sign Cam Meredith last week, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that, that's another guy I'd love to get on the program. But we'll reach out to DC. We'll try and get a couple of the guys coming in and uh, uh, popping on the program this week, talking about uh, the excitement for the upcoming season and how they're getting through seven days locked in a hotel room uh, by quarantine. I did see the food look pretty good. I think I saw Willie uh, do a, do a vid of his uh, breakfast or lunch that was delivered. So they're taking mm-hmm. care of the boys. Uh, which is great. So we will, of course, talk about Bomber football and a lot of CFL coverage coming up on the show as we get closer to training camp and, of course, the upcoming season. Um, but it's it's a it's a weird day today. I mean, of course, we're going to spend some time talking hockey with Mike McIntyre, uh, as well as Ball's uh, Kyle Ball Harry on um, you know the Jets Legend series. There was a horrible story from the hockey world, though, Remus, that we should touch on right off the bat. 
Columbus Blue Jacket 24-year-old goaltender Mattis Kivlenix passed away yesterday in what sounds like somewhat of a freak accident. Um, you know, when it comes to the 4th of July down the, down south, the Americans certainly love to blow stuff up and fireworks. I'm a huge fireworks guy. I love it too. Don't get me wrong. But every single year you hear fireworks in, uh, injuries, things that happen as a result of fireworks mishaps. And it sounds like this is the most extreme of them. Now, he, did, he was in a hot tub apparently and a bunch of fireworks were being blown off. And I guess the way they were tilted or leaning, they were kind of, you know, nearing the people that he was around. So running out of the hot tub to get away from the fireworks slipped, hit his head and passed away. Um, It's just a horrible, horrible story. Raymond, I know you've been on social media today. I mean, we've just heard player after player, uh, current Blue Jackets, former Blue Jackets like Nick Foligno um, speak about what a a beloved young man this guy was within the organization. Uh, What a bright light he was within that locker room. And um, man, some really, really heavy hearts right now in Columbus, but I think around the hockey world. Yeah, I mean, this hap- has, you know, happens once in a while where, uh, you know, a young player um, passes away far too soon. And, you know, reading the story, um, your heart breaks. It's extremely, extremely sad, um, you know, that a player, anyone 24 years old um, would have their life cut short. So. Uh, yes, hockey world uh, mourns and give our deepest sim- deepest sympathies to the Blue Jackets uh, organization and the players' family. Um, incredibly, incredibly sad. And and then I, you know, I kind of you know remembered, um, started remembering other players. Um, remember Luke? I remember in the summer when you're uh, when Luke Bourdon passed away with oh, the Moose. Yeah. And I even still, and you have to wonder like what kind of player he would have turned into. So again, um, I know he's close with the goalie Elvis Merzlikens, and um, just uh, just, it's a horrible thing to wake up and see. Yeah, and, you know, David Savard, who, of course, is playing in the Stanley Cup final for Tampa, uh, said today, he was asked in French, um, uh, it was a brutal wake-up this morning. That was a good kid with a lot of talent who was going to be part of the team next year or in the future. It's extremely sad. So um, I just, you know, had to mention that, one of the uh, the really unfortunate stories to talk about. Um, But... Uh, and now we're seeing, I mean, I, I'm reading the uh, the report here on mm. TSN right now. Um, there, And again, when it comes down to this, I'm sure there'll be plenty of reports and people say that he was hit by a firework and that could have been something with the autopsy. I guess at the end of the day, it was a disaster. It was a tragic accident. And um, a young man, 24 years old, with so much to live for, unfortunately won't be around. And um, yeah, it, uh, it it's really, really sad. Um, as I said, we'll kind of spend more time talking about the cup final. When we get over to Mike McIntyre, who joins us a little later on, and Kyle Ball here is going to join us in about ten minutes um, to roll uh, to roll out this. Um, I, I, I quickly, I got to get to tennis for a minute, Reem. Um, this is a huge day, round of sixteen, all the matches on the men's side to make it into the quarterfinals, and of course we had two Canadians playing. Denis Shapovalov, uh, the ten seed, was going up against the eight seed um, Rafael Bagusta Agut of Spain. And El Chapo was nails today. He wins in straight sets, just a dominating performance. He was serving brilliantly. His ground strokes were phenomenal. Um, and he's on, I believe, to his first Wimbledon quarterfinal. Now, I guess the big question was, will his buddy, Felix Auger Aliasim and countrymen be able to join him there? And 
Felix is on the court right now as we are live on YouTube playing Alexander Zverev. And um, Felix won the first two sets, was up to nothing. Zverev, the fourth seed in the tournament, uh, Ali Aliassim is the 16th seed, um, won the next two. So they're now in the fifth set. Just coming into the fifth set, there was a rain delay, but they're back out on the court. And as I last checked, Felix was up a break, two nothing in the mm -hmm. fifth set. Um, and man, would that not be a huge dream to have not one, but two Canadians in the quarterfinals. We've been sort of waiting for these two guys. We know they're young studs. They both had strong performances in other tournaments, but something like Wimbledon with the serves and the volley, uh, volley abilities of both of those young men, you thought that we might be seeing it sooner or later. And uh, now Felix is serving up to one right now. So he's up a break. It sounds like victory could be on his racket, but still lots of work to do against one of the best in the world in Zverev. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on this throughout the afternoon as we uh, as we pay attention. Yeah, it's funny. We we're talking about the little basketball and tennis, for, you know, Canadian uh, with John Horn on Friday, and I'm sure we'll get to the basketball pretty soon. But this oh. tennis, uh, I mean, it's been building to this the last couple of years. You know, first it was Raonic, and he's kind of battled injuries, but he's shown up in some big tournaments. But now to have two players. In the uh, what in the quarterfinal here, uh, Ali Seam is leading two nothing. Um, I mean that's pretty cool. We saw Andrescu, you know, a year and a half ago or almost two years now, take down the U.S. Open. We haven't had you know quite that from the man. I know Raonic has been real close, but two guys, Shapovalov, and he's definitely had his ups and downs. Ali Seam seems to be more on an upward trajectory, but I think you know tennis in Canada, I think is uh, is blossoming right now, and I see a lot of oh. you know people playing at the. Uh, the courts near me, and I think it's a great sport and awesome. You know, I remember growing up when it's like, who's your favorite tennis player? We'd be like, well, you know, Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi, and you know, I'd play the game, video game, virtual tennis, and we never had any Canadian stars. And now, I mean, there's so many on the men and the women. So, um, you know, I see a lot of people tweeting about this. It's on TSN, I think five right now. So. Hey, you can, you know, watch both or do it on your phone and, and still listen to this. So very exciting. Yeah, not a good start to the service game. Couple big shots by Zverev and Felix is now down love 30. But again, he's up to one on serve right now. So if he loses this game, they'll be back on serve and we'll see what happens. Whether they, uh, we have an epic fifth set between these two stars on the ATP tour. Chapo for his part is, uh, Probably putting some ice on a few muscles, kicking back, getting something to eat, and getting ready for his first trip to the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. So all that coming up a little later on. We will talk about the basketball, um, both the NBA finals being set, as well as the incredible disappointment of Canada losing to the Czechs on the weekend. We'll touch on that a little bit later on. But as we mentioned, the soccer uh, for Valor FC we also have the final four for the Euro coming out of the weekend. And how about these matchups for the semifinals of Euro 2020? Italy versus Spain and England against Denmark. And Denmark, we should try and hook up. We should try and get Ehlers on in the next couple of days, Reem. He can fly the flag for the Danes and tell everyone <laughs> in Winnipeg why they should be all in on Team Denmark. Um, when you think about the way this tournament started for them with that horrifying scene of Christian Eriksen having the heart attack on the pitch and a loss to, to Finland in game number one, it's pretty incredible that Denmark is here, one of the final four teams standing right now and one win away from a Euro 2020 final. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I follow Ehlers on Instagram and he's posting stories of watch parties and everyone in Denmark getting fired up. So I guess if you're a Jets fan and you need a team here, 
And you want to go with the uh, Italy or Spain, which seems to be, you know, I know a lot of people are into Italy here, uh, but Denmark could be, uh, you know, that pick. So uh, the if Euro- you're a free agent soccer fan, yeah. if you're not Italian, if you're not English and you're not Spanish <laughs> and you're looking for a team, let's all go all in on Denmark, the plucky underdogs. They'll be big underdogs again against England. But I was talking to my pal Nick Ziff yesterday and he seems quite bullish on the Danes' chances of maybe spoiling the party for the English. So um, we will talk more about the Euro, I guess, as we get into uh, the week closer to the events. And then, of course, the final going up on the weekend uh, will be a huge event worldwide. Um, for How about uh, England? Can they do it, Huss? I feel like it's been disappointment after disappointment uh, for them. Well, you know, it's a good question. I'll be honest. I'm... I kind of thought that way too. And that's why I thought that they were going to get their hearts broken by Germany. And they were such massive favorites against the Ukrainians on Saturday. I, uh, I thought, well, maybe this game will be closer than people think. Maybe we could get a tie. Well, it wasn't Harry Kane scored four minutes into the game and they ended up running away with it. I mean, just ran it up for nothing. Um, so for a team that only scored two goals in their first three games in the group stage, to be getting the scoring they're getting right now has to make the English fans feel like maybe it is time. Maybe the cup will be coming home as they like to say, Um, but they got to get through the Danes and the Ehlers army first. So uh, we'll see what happens. And we certainly will talk about that coming up a little later on. All right. Uh, Do want to thank our sponsors right off the bat, a big shout out to our friends at Royal sports. Speaking of the Euro um, popped in on the weekend, the English, the England and Italy jerseys, I think are flying off the shelves. If you've ever been to Royal sports, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, NHL, CFL, NFL merchandise, they have no peer, but the soccer department is outrageous. It is so amazing. You can see there's some of the, um, if you're watching on YouTube right now, you can see some of those jerseys that Portugal one is really nice. France of course is out. Uh, but the teams that are still on are moving some products. So if you are have been late late to the party and want to get hooked up with one of those great jerseys or some of the other things to support the teams, head on down to Royal Sports. And, of course, while you're there, you can check out the camping department, the expanded bike section, the new fitness section, all the cool clothes they have on the King Skate Snow and Surf side, um, as well as anything to do with outdoor sports, disc golf, soccer, baseball. It is all in one spot over at Royal Sports. 650 Rally EK and the Superstore on Pembina at 750 Pembina Highway. And with all this heat, uh, I got plenty of messages from Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners and viewers over the weekend that they made a point to head over to the Nick and Nicky DQs or one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs um, to get a blizzard. The Kit Kat blizzard is back. A lot of people are talking about that lately. I still am a drumstick blizzard guy. I couldn't believe how good they are. It's going to be tough to get me off those. Uh, but whether you're going to the DQ in Niverville, the DQ Northgate, Polo Park, or on St. Anne's, pop by, support Nick and Nicky DQs, and let them know that uh, you pop by or uh, are a fan of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Always appreciate that. And finally, Reem, I got back to a Boston pizza on the weekend. It had been a while. We've been waiting for the bar to open. And like we talked about, it was so damn hot outside. Um, I wasn't really in a patio mood when it was 36 degrees outside. The beautiful air conditioning, sitting at a bar top, a draft beer. It was a, it was a special moment for yours truly. Watched the second half of that England-Ukraine game and uh, had some wings. Oh, it was so great to be back. Uh, I encourage you, whether it's in the patio or in the lounge, get out with some friends when you are able to pop into the Boston Pizza, and we'll get back at it. We'll have our crew there at some point very soon to watch a game 
hopefully for bomber season, if not, as we get into NFL season as well. Uh, and of course, all that great stuff, including the new summer menu with the honey dill fried chicken sandwich, the burger Italiano, all the great patio drinks, all available as well for takeout and for delivery. All right, I told you off the top of the program that we were going to talk to my good friend Kyle Ballharry from Jets Productions and True North Sports and Entertainment because um, one of the coolest things about this season, watching the games on the tube, was seeing those amazing intermission features from the Jets Legend Series. And well, we'll get balls to fill us in. Uh, we saw a number of them on television early on, but there was so much more work that went into this series, and there's more to come. And uh, I'm so excited about the first one that's coming out, but uh, let's talk about it and welcome in our good friend, Kyle Ball, Harry from True North Sports and Entertainment. Ball's looking good. How are you? I'm well, how about you guys? You guys are looking good, sounding very good. The show is on fire today. There's no doubt. I've been highly entertained, especially that last segment with Royal Sports and, and, and DQ. That was that was impressive, Andrew. I saw you. I saw you salivating a little bit as I talked about that Kit Kat and the drumstick blizzard right now. And uh, well, you know what? Maybe walk the yeah. dogs oh, afterwards, yes. and you can go and have one. This it certainly is blizzard weather. Yeah. Um, listen, for folks, there might be a few people that are not familiar with the Jets Legend series. Maybe they consume the games in a bit of a different way. Let's back up a little bit, balls. Mm-hmm. Fill us in on how the Jets Legend series came to be, and what is what has already been out there, and then we'll get to what's coming next. Sure, Andrew. Um, so when the pandemic hit, obviously we we were really finding ways to connect with our fans and not being able to welcome any fans in the building for our 10th season was was devastating, quite frankly, um, for everybody. Not only for us, of course, but I mean, the fact that the fans can't live any moments, right? They can't uh, experience um, some of those amazing things that have happened in the previous 10 years. And, you know, whenever a a team reaches a milestone like a 10th anniversary, 20, 25, and so on and so forth, uh, you like to look back and relive some of those amazing memories. So in a time where um, obviously no one could be at the games uh, and the only um, avenue to touch, uh, you know, and connect with the fans was was via digital and and website and TV and and broadcast and all those wonderful things. So we kind of set out to make a series to – you know, look back at the uh, 10 years of Jets hockey. And I mean, it's pretty amazing. I would, I would suggest the first comment I've got almost on every occasion has been, has it been 10 years already? Wow. It just seems so hard to fathom. So, you know, myself and the rest of our Jets productions team, we, uh, we got together and um, created a plan, uh, created uh, storylines and decided to interview about 40 people, uh, including people like David Thompson and Mark Chipman, Kevin Sheveldayoff, uh, Paul Maurice, you name it. We, we, we were able to sit with uh, Blake Wheeler and Mark Stewart and so many others that were so happy to share their memories. So in the end, our goal was to deliver um, some hockey love uh, to everybody season where nobody could nobody could be at the arena. So, you know, I, I think the response has been pretty good, um, mostly because they're all they're all just true stories. You know, like we all live them all. I mean, Andrew, you were probably in the house for a majority of those top 10. And then on we go to episodes 11 through 20, which when we started looking at the top 10 moments or top moments of the um, first 10 years back of the Jets, we quickly realized that 10 wasn't enough. So, you know, 10 was a nice number and it worked well for our, our, our playing on broadcasts and playing in the intermissions. But there's a few more amazing stories to be told. And that uh, it all starts with episode 11 coming out this week. Um, 
and it's the 9-8 game in Philly, which I think everybody remembers <laughs> very fondly. And you know, maybe it doesn't get talked about all that often anymore because it's just years gone by and most of those players have moved on. But um, pretty incredible reliving it. And uh, I think it's going to it's gonna spark some memories and hope everyone will really enjoy it. Hey, before, I, I'm so excited to talk about that game. I will never forget it as long as I live. But just before we get to the next ones, um, how they're coming out, what they'll be, if people missed the first 10, um, I imagine those are available right now. And, and just maybe top on me, there was the incredible, I mean, the return of the Jets, the first exhibition game, yeah. uh, the opening game. Uh, one of my yeah. personal favorites that was a real tearjerker that I know was special to you was the one about Crappie, um, uh, Solani, the Heritage Classic. I'm probably missing a few, but I mean, really that top 10 was some of the most seminal moments in the last 10 years for us and our sporting community. And man, they were amazing. They were. And I think, honestly, um, we've said it a couple times here. I think that's the most important thing here is that we all live this together. Right. I mean, maybe you were watching it at home only on TV, but you were you're still part of it. And, and if you were lucky, 15,000 to be in the arena for some of these things. And I mean, tens of thousands of people outside the, the episodes of the playoffs. Um, you know, I think that's the that's the glory of all, of all this, Andrew. It's I think it's a great series. And I think we're, we're really proud of the work we've done. And obviously the. The great work by our, our producers internally with Steve and Aiden and and Yevgen and, and Priya coordinating everything. But um, I think the most exciting part, buddy, is the fact that we've all lived these and they're they're memories that all happened. And there's 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 emotion and energy and, and something to every one of them, you know. And, and and again, when I thought about twenty, it was a lot to think about. But once you once you see the list and once you see the moments, it's like, yeah, that was awesome, you know. I mean, Brian Little's hat trick. How could that not be one of them? Who who doesn't remember that night? You mentioned the Solani episode. Um, you know, that's not in the top 10, but man, we were privileged to be able to uh, to connect with Timu in Finland. And he sat down for an hour with us and, and talked about some amazing memories. And I think episode 13 for Timu Solani will be uh, one of the best ones. It's a little longer, actually. We extend our, our play a little bit because of the, um, you know, the, the, the ability to not just be in the intermission. So, yeah, starting out, uh, coming up this week, you'll be able to start seeing the episodes released on our website and other channels, social media. Um, they're still running on Crave, of course, episodes 1 through 10 and, and 1 through 20. Uh, but, you know, slowly uh, this week, they'll start coming out kind of once per week. And hopefully people um, are looking forward to the next one every time. Like I said, there's a, there's some good ones in here. It starts with Philly. we got Brian Little Hattrick. we got our connection to the Canadian Armed Forces, which is interesting. It's not all just game moments, right? It's actually connections and, and our community and things that have helped us just experience these 10 years together as a community. Um, I got to give a shout out to Mike Wynn. The wind dog is in the chat and he says, how about a section 316 jets video? I will, I will certainly stomp for that because Mike sits two seats away from me in section 316. We have a lot of fun there, but I mean, you can't help, but you know, feel from a fan's perspective, this was an unbelievable way of connecting um, to the club and so many of the ones that we saw during the season the top 10 if you will were those incredible moments a large part of it was the team coming back but as you mentioned I mean there's a lot of other uh, other great stories and uh, let's talk about uh, when you told me that the episode 11 was going to be the 9-8 game I was so excited I texted Reem I texted a few of the other guys going you got to get ready for this and then immediately you just bring that game up with any jet fan if they were around in 2011 
and you get into a conversation that'll go for 30 minutes. Um, I would, I would imagine, you know, going through, you know, hearing, um, you know, hearing the likes of Mark Chipman and Dennis Bayak. I mean, Dennis Bayak, an incredibly um, illustrious broadcaster, a long, long career, so many games. He would tell you straight up, that's the craziest game that I've ever seen. Um, the backs and forth of it. And one of the other thing that was wild about it, Balls, was that this was only three weeks, not even three weeks from the first game ever returning back. So there was still a newness to it. Every game was a huge deal. All the bars were packed for it. Um, but the roller coaster of the 9-8 game in October of 2011 truly is legendary. And uh, I'm very glad that you decided to get it. So tell us a little bit about putting that one together and what you remember of it. I, I think I think when people started looking at the list, like I said, they were wondering why there'd be so many. And then they started, you know, their eyebrows started going up. And it was interesting with the 9-8 game in Philly, in Philly because there's limited people, players now that are around here, Blake Wheeler. I mean, Mark Stewart was was in town, obviously. He lives here, and we're happy to sit with Mark, so he was part of it all. Um, but it's one of those ones that it's – you know, I mean, I remember, I think, a 12-10 game in the 80s between the Edmonton Oilers and the Kings. That's actually lost like 15-2 to once to the North Stars, I think, in 81, yeah. whatever it might have been. <laughs> these scores don't happen anymore. Nobody sees these kind of scores. So, if I'm not mistaken, and I'll have to check the records, this was our first road win, and it was a 9-8 win in Philadelphia, a place where... Truthfully, some other legendary things have happened. I mean, Willie Lindstrom scored five goals there back in the early 80s. I think the Jets have always kind of got up for games in Philly. It's Philadelphia. It's the Flyers. It's the wild crowd. And, man, I'll tell you, all of us watching that game from home, because it was it was obviously a road game, um, I've never seen a road, any game like that. It was literally scoring back and forth every few minutes. And, I mean, there was, there was a four-goal lead. There was 5-1. Uh, Flyers came all the way back. Jets went ahead again. Like, and then, and then it was decided with one minute left. So, I mean, I don't want to be a spoiler for anyone that hasn't seen the game because I'm sure there's probably a lot of young fans out there that don't, don't know that one or don't recall what happened. But uh, as Dennis Bayak said, I think it was the wildest game he's ever seen. It And a couple things that stick out to me. First of all, I watched the game with a bunch of buddies at Confusion Corner Bar and Grill. And during that first season, there was a promo where – Every time the Jets scored, the red light would go on and draft beers were half price for the rest of the period. Well, I mean, the goals were coming so fast and so furious that um, let's just say that the uh, sales were brisk, um, albeit lots of fans got a really good deal that day. Um, just the light going off over and over again. And this was sort of a new promotion. So people were pretty fired up. Just the Jets scored as well. But that... Um, but I mean, the other the other thing about it was was that, and you would imagine this could happen in a nine eight game. Both goalies got pulled, and then Mason came in for the Jets and got hurt, and Pav had to come back into the game after getting pulled. And this, of course, after the team had kind of imploded for part of the game, blowing five one and six two leads, and then needing to come back at the end. I mean, it literally had a little bit of everything. But as Coach Claude Noel said back in the day. Um, that was uh, if you if to watch that, that you'd be a sick, sick man. I believe was the uh, was the term from Claude. Uh, it had a little bit of everything. Claude had some some quotes that year. There's no doubt about it, especially after that game. I mean, you nailed it though, Huss. I think, and even watching all those goals and rewatching them, there was some. There was a few 
not so great goals on the goalies, but I wouldn't <laughs> overly say it was the worst goaltending performance I've ever seen. Like they had no chance on probably 14 of the 17 goals. They were bounces. They were screens. It was just all over the place. You know, I think uh, Charlie Huddy in it calls, says puck luck. I mean, it was puck luck for both teams on both sides. And it was just back and forth. And 17 goals later, the Jets win. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie uh, asking in chat, was that game on Halloween night? No, it was on the 27th of October, but it certainly was Halloween season, if you will. And uh, I have a feeling that there may have been some ghosts and goblins in the building that night. There certainly was for anyone trying to play defense in that game. It's an interesting memory that that uh, text uh, said, because I, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been Halloween night in 81 or whenever it was when Willie Lindstrom scored his five goals in Philly. So there's, I think, a connection there. <laughs> well, uh, I got to tell you, um, that is uh, – and the fact that the Jets won the game makes it – I mean, if they'd ended up blowing 5-1 and 6-2 leads and losing no. 9-8, I'm not sure it gets into the Jets' legend <laughs> no. series. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. <laughs> but it was uh, – I mean, just – and it reminds me of such a special time, to be honest. That's the other thing. And I mentioned, you know, being at the bar with everyone. I mean, you know, the excitement in this city that we were back in the National Hockey League – and, you know, it's one thing to, you know, show up. And, I mean, everyone was so excited about that first game. Well, you know, they lost. They scored one goal. I mean, they're ups and downs with pro sports. The ups and downs of everything that being a fan is all about was encapsulated in that final game. And, as I said, they're, uh, you know, tell me what the result is, and then we can talk about the game. You know, the old don't criticize a win um, I don't think Claude Noel was spending too much time pointing out great defensive work in that game for his hockey club. But at the end of the day, they got the two points. And uh, it was uh, it was a, a, a game that, I mean, if we could go another 20 years, and I don't think we'll have a game as wild as that one, Kyle. We probably won't, you know. And I mean, I think that's, that's the key to all of this, um, truthfully, is um, seeing these things when they happen. I mean, that's why you watch sports. You, you see things to... You hope to see something that's never happened before or something new or something that just is is eye-catching or shocking. So, um, you know, I hope the 20 episodes are all in there and and they, and they pull on a little bit of different heartstrings throughout it, right? Like, I think, like you mentioned, the crappie episode's different than the Game 7 against Nashville and it's different than our, you know, episode about the community and it's different than the team of one. So hopefully there's something in there for everyone, young and old and and fans that have been around for 50 years and fans that are new to it as well. And, and, and we're just thrilled that these are, um, you know, a piece of history and that people can refer to them when looking back at the 10th season, uh, the glorious 10 seasons. And, you know, I mean, Gary Bettman in one of them stopped and said in the interview, he goes, I can't believe how many things the jets have done in 10 years. This is actually pretty amazing. They're, they've been in Finland. They've been in two heritage. There's been numerous amazing memories at the arena. And, and let's not forget the whiteout, like the whiteout captures everyone's hearts i think around the globe quite frankly those images are striking and 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 that's what we work towards every year to try to get back there so hey man we've got another big season coming up and um the excitement is going to start building for that too the next house that's for sure and well, shout out to 316 you guys are always <laughs> leading leading the chance and i mean let's go even further let's let's step it up right michael wins one of our greatest fans and um, it's guys like that will that will help the Jets fans remain uh, the talk of the league and and continue to be as loud as they can be. Hey, maybe we do a tifo in three sixteen for uh, the opener next year. You know those things, those massive things at the soccer games. They unroll up and put all the way up, and it does. A big oh picture. yes, 
Well, hey, that's you know, I, there's a lot of options. We're for the in row one. Owner. We could start it off. We could start it off. Well, I'll, I'll put that little uh, idea okay. in your head. Um, back to Jets Legends, though. Uh, the nine eight game, the craziest game of all time, is episode number eleven. Yeah. Um, just over the course of the next weeks, um, just give us just a, some of the other topics for the ones that you haven't released yet sure. that people will be looking forward to. Sure, I'm just going to look down at my phone here, so I'm not uh, ignoring you here, Andrew, while I'm doing this. But uh, 9-8 Philly, we got Brian Little's hat-trick against the Avalanche, who will forget that name. Uh, Timu Solani, episode uh, 13. Uh, Our connection to the Canadian Armed Forces, uh, episode 14. Um, The Global Series in Finland, which was amazing, uh, 15. Um, First Series win versus the Wild. That was the the spawn of the street party, and who will ever forget, you know, the Dustin Bufflin hits and just the wild atmosphere. That's what kind of got got that uh, that going in 2019. Uh, 2019 Heritage Classic in Regina, which was incredible for everyone that was in Regina. I mean, it looked like a snow globe. It was about as picturesque and beautiful as it could possibly be. Uh, that's in there. Speaking um, of Brian Little with the OT winner. Again, Brian Little. So that's the one thing I'll mention in this is that, you know, Brian Little is is a heck of a hockey player and a heck of a, of a human. And I think it, it comes through in episodes 11 through 20 many times that Brian Little was and still is. Um, highly respected by this team. And, and I'm sure the fans would agree with, with that statement about Brian Little. So we're excited to have Brian in there on, on a couple memories here. Well, sure. and, 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 and you know what I have to say as someone that was there in Regina with a bunch of fans, um, you know, I, I remember, you know, late in the third period of that game going, you got to be kidding me. We can't go through two damn outdoor games and not yeah. score a bloody goal. And then Morrissey ties it up. And I was in the end. Brian Little scored that OT winner right in front of me. And I mean, that is like, when we think about goals again, you know, big picture. It was a regular season game, yeah. but it was um, anyone that was there. And I'm sure a lot of the people that were watching at home knew that that game was special. And it was it was so cool to have a guy that's meant so much to this organization to be the guy that scored that goal. And what's really sad about the whole thing, Balls, is that, I mean, I'd have to check the calendar, but that was in late October. And if I'm not mistaken, Brian Little was injured on the 5th of November. He only played in like a handful of games after that um, up until his injury. And we all know his situation right now is pretty serious. And uh, I'm not sure whether we'll see Brian Little again. So to have that moment, such a special moment for a guy that has been such a huge part of the Winnipeg Jets, fitting, although what happened next was really unfortunate. And I think the team still misses Brian Little to this day. Oh, he's such a leader, and he and he just does things the right way. He's a consummate pro. Everybody said it in every interview we did. I mean, I think if they could bottle the attitude uh, and work ethic and just who a, a hockey player would be, I'm sure Brian Little would be part of those ingredients and probably a lot of those ingredients. So um, he's missed, no doubt. So we're thrilled to, to have him play a big part in, in, a, in a couple of these. Sadly, we weren't able to interview him with COVID and the pandemic. And, I mean, that was part of the challenge of all this, right? I mean, actually getting access to people and being able to do things during the pandemic, but which we were successful with. But, unfortunately, um, Brian Little, um, Nick Antropov, all guys we were kind of hoping to get originally and we couldn't. Um, we've got an episode about the community, obviously our community connection, whether it's us going out to the Children's Hospital or the outdoor practice, which is kind of the, the focal point, if any of you guys remember um, the minus 40 or minus 30 outdoor practice at the Forks in 2011, I guess it was, or one of those years. Anyway, they're one of the early years. So that was a great one. Um, Connor Hellbuck, Vesna Trophy winner. I mean, that's an entire episode. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets have never had a Vesna Trophy winner. Yeah, right. and me, me as a young netminder growing up at Bronx Park always thought, man, imagine if the Jets could ever have a Vesna Trophy winner. Well, we got one, right? And that's pretty incredible. So a major NHL award, and that's something to be celebrated. 
And then the last one, quite frankly, is fueled by passion. It's it's about the fans and the energy and all the 10 years and everything that's gone into this from us, from the fans, from Dancing Gabe, from Michael Wynn, from Andrew Patterson to Croppy. I mean, honestly, it's been an incredible 10 years. Um, 20 episodes was a lot to do, but honestly, uh, through the hard work of our team, um, we were able to do it. So we're just thrilled that everybody can, can watch the episodes, Andrew, including you, which I think you, uh, really like them. So I'm, I appreciate your Oh, oh listen, you guys, I mean, you're a pal of mine, but, um, you guys did an awesome job. I mean, any jet fan, at least from what I've seen so far, I mean, we, we heard the feedback every day here on Winnipeg sports talk about how much people enjoyed them and people talking about them in the chat and hearing on them and, uh, you know, and it's important. I mean, I think it was the fact that you were able to pull this off during this time when, you know, you're right. There was a major disconnect between the team and the fans because, you know, no one's buying tickets. No one's going to the games. It's been a really weird time. So um, it's important. And I think people are really going to enjoy these. So let's talk Turkey right now. How do people watch them? The 9-8 game is the one. Has that already been released? Is that today, tomorrow? Uh, and where to get it? Is it the Jets YouTube? Is it on your website? Uh, how do people watch it? Where do they find so it? So I'm going to give you an answer that you're not going to love. I'm going to encourage everybody to look for our release that's coming out tomorrow, actually. Okay. So we're going to put out a release. All the info will be in there. All of the list, where you can find it, when you'll find it, all those things. You know what I mean? So I think today is us having a good chat about all these memories. And then uh, everybody can look forward to that release uh, coming out in the next day or so here. That'll explain everything. Yeah, and I imagine um, shortly after that release, we'll be able to watch the 9-8 game and then a bit of a schedule on the other ones. Well, I tell you what, I'm excited. I I appreciate you joining me. I know you're on a little bit of holidays, uh, but just to fill fill our listeners in, everyone excited about next season. Uh, We hope that, you know, we'll be fans in the building, regardless of whether it's, you know, full house or or what the deal is. Um, From your side of things, it's been a long time since you had a bunch of fans in the building. I mean, handling all the game operations, how how are preparations going to finally welcome Jet fans back to the rink downtown? Uh, They're going well, Andrew. I mean, I think everybody, it's not the same as the Jets coming back, but there's a little bit of a buzz of, you know, NHL coming back and games again and fans back. I mean, there's been games here, but without the fans, I mean, hey man, we're, we're playing fake crowd music noise, right so it's it's just not the same um but we just can't wait to see people walking into the building i can't explain to you how i literally heard it from all every true north staff that was in the building and we heard it from the team just seeing the enthusiasm of the frontline workers that were in the building for the playoffs and i mean there were a few ladies and and i don't know who she was or what her name was but this lady i think stood for four hours and danced the entire time during the game People were just thrilled to be there and to be out and watching the greatest game in the world. Because in the end, it's it's about coming out and watching the, the most thrilling, exciting live sport that there is and supporting your own team. So it's not the same as the team coming back, but I'll tell you, the energy from our organization and then the energy that obviously we're hoping generates from the fan base, come September, there's just going to be this swell, you know, and there'll be this excitement. And, you know, um, we've got a great team. We've got we've got leaders, we've got young guys, we've got just excitement ready to burst out again next year. And, you know, if fans return, all of this stuff's been great. All of the no fans and we put on a good show and, and uh, you know, the lightning might win back to back, but you know what, let's just probably put all that in the rearview mirror as soon as the fans come back and get, get back on to how this is all supposed to be. And that's having the fans in the building 
the best fans in the National Hockey League, the most caring fans. I mean, how do you go wrong with Winnipeg hockey fans? They're the most passionate. It just kind of gives me chills thinking about them being back. And I know Michael Wynn will be one of those first guys. You'll be one of the first guys. Your brother Duncan might be one of the first guys. Like, You'll know where to know, find man. us. If you're a hockey fan, how do you not be excited about next season, quite frankly? I think it's it's exciting. Oh, Chris, uh, Chris Vermet. The first Jets game back will be awesome. And I think the first Bomber game will really be special. Of course, that really, well, and yeah. I was just talking about it. Valor FC, who is 3-0, and amazing start to the season for uh, for the local soccer side. Wednesday night, 2,000 fans in the building. Um, so I, I think that is really going to be an exciting uh, moment. And of course, once we get the gang back uh, at IG Field for the Bombers, potentially, I mean, if for as I understand it, I mean, we might be able to get close to a full place if people are all double vaccinated, which is very interesting. And obviously, we'll find out more on uh, how things will look for um, the game, the hockey games going forward. It's incredible, Andrew, and the spirit, right? The spirit of what Winnipeggers are is is is, is going to be coming out again. And I mean, we've we we get shut in in the winter a bit, but we haven't been shut in for two years like this. So I don't know how loud those Bomber games are going to be, but I bet they're going to be loud. And you know, Winnipeggers like to party. I'd say the party's going to turn up a notch once everybody's, you know, ready to go. I think we're going to appreciate it that much more being able to get back and uh, and cheer all our uh, our favorite local teams. Balls, thanks for doing this, man. Uh, so, yeah, we uh, don't have the official word a release tomorrow. The 9-8 game is the next episode of Jets Legend. Don't miss that as well as uh, all the other ones. Hey, congratulations on the entire series, man. You and your team did a wonderful job. Thanks a lot, Andrew. And thanks, Remus, as well. You guys are doing a heck of a job promoting sports in our city and you're doing a heck of a job too so um nice job buddy <laughs> right on take it easy there's Kyle Ball Harry a good friend of mine um listen just in the last minute as we finish that interview with Kyle huge news Felix Auger Aliasim after losing the third and fourth sets comes back to beat Alexander Zverev the number four seed in the tournament uh one of if not the biggest win of the young Canadian's career and Remo, now we've got two Canadians in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon after Denis Shapovalov won a big match earlier today. What an incredible day for Canadian tennis. Yeah, wow, Haas. Uh, that is incredible. You know, again, it's been the women in the past couple of years, but the men, uh, Canadian men's tennis players coming on. I know people are fired up. Uh, we were all watching Andrescu before, but I think you got to be uh, excited here. OJL, you seem. And Shapovalov, what, in the uh, semi-final? Is that what it is, Huss? Quarters. Quarters. Oh, sorry, on to the quarters. My bad. I I know people, I shout out to Mitch and Chad and Justin, uh, keeping us up to date because I'm trying to make sure everything works here. So I'm not exactly uh, paying, paying that close attention uh, here, but you know, you're following it on your phone. Well, and I'm just going to see what this sets up for the uh, the players now as they both won. So the Joker is through. An unseeded Belarusian named Fukovic uh, beat Rublev earlier today in five sets. So that's the that's at the top. Shapovalov, the 10 seed, is taking on Russian Karen Kachinov, who won an epic five-setter today, 10-8 in the fifth, over young star Seb Korda, who happens to be the brother of Nelly Korda, who's the world number one in golf, and the son of former Czech tennis star Peter Korda pretty successful athletic family so Shapo will take on Hatchinov uh with a great opportunity I mean he'll probably be the favorite um you know I would assume he is he's seated 15 spots higher uh to move on and then that would likely set up a semi-final match 
with the great Novak Djokovic. Now, for OJ Aliassim, his five-set win upset over Alex Verev now puts him into the finals, and he'll be going against Italian Mario Berrettini. And uh, Berrettini cruised over uh, his opponent, uh, unseated Avashka, 6-4-6-3-6-1. So that is set. And the other semifinal... And what a match this is going to be. Daniil Medvedev, the Russian, the number two seed. He's a heavy favorite over his opponent, the 14 seed, Hercatch. And then you've got Roger Federer taking on another Italian, the 23 seed, Senego. So we could have Medvedev, Federer in the other semi. Uh, but two of the other three involving young Canadians. And uh, hey, dare to dream. They're on opposite sides of the draw. They're best friends. Why not? Go head-to-head in the Wimbledon final for a Grand Slam championship. Still lots of work to be done, but just an amazing victory for Felix Auger-Aliassime after dropping the third and fourth set. Zverev, the veteran, had all of the momentum, and Felix got it done, winning 6-4 in the fifth set. All right, we're going to have Mike McIntyre join us from Montreal in just a second. Uh, big thanks to Not Autocorp for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily right from day one. If you're thinking about getting into a new vehicle, even if you're in a lease right now, you already have a car, talk to the experts at Not. Why not get into a great new vehicle with the help of the Not team? And if you need to get out of your present vehicle, They'll help you do that with their very successful consignment program as well. Um, we've also got a great expanding service department, Red Seal technicians there, and an unbelievable detailing program. And working on the getting the car lab going up for modifications to vehicles. Um, if you have any automotive needs, don't wait. Start off with Not. You can see them online at Not.ca or pop by at Waverly and McGilvery. And uh, well. I have a feeling there was a few little brown jugs going down this weekend because uh, it was hot. It was a great weekend to get out, and people were thirsty. And uh, I can tell you, I had a 1919 indoors at uh, bar on the weekend, which was very nice. But the outdoor beers, especially the new summer lager and the Hefeweizen in that summer variety pack, very, very popular. Um the summer lager is quickly becoming the weekend go-to beer for yours truly right now. Um, they've relaunched the website. They've made it easier than ever to order online. Simply go to littlebrownjug.ca, same-day delivery within the city of Winnipeg, uh, as well as if you are a gardener and hitting the garden centers on the weekend, uh, they usually have a setup at one or two on the weekend. Go to the events page at littlebrownjug.ca if you'd like to do a pickup at one of the garden centers going forward. And don't forget, end of the month, we'll have another promo with Little Brown Jug and our friends at Breezy Bend for uh, another great package involving some Little Brown Jug merch, some beers, and a great round for you and three friends and carts out at Breezy Bend. And speaking of Breezy, uh, a quick little golf update. What a finish yesterday to the Rocket Mortgage Championship. Cam Davis chips in for eagle on 17. Birdies 18, making up three strokes on the leaders on the final two holes to get into a playoff and outlasts Troy Merritt as well as Joachim Neiman for his first PGA Tour win. I got to give a shout out to my pal, Jeff Feinberg. Feinberg is on the heater of heaters right now. I think he's picked golf winners in four of the last five tournaments. Davis in some books was 150 to one. So um, yeah, if you do any golf wagering, make sure you're checking out Feinberg and Mayo on Mondays because uh, they have been providing some serious advice for a lot of people. If you want to find out more about a home golfing home for you and your family next year, 
check out breezyben.ca or give Corey Johnson a call and get on that waiting list for the 2022 season. All right, let's talk some puck. Uh, the cup's in the building tonight. And so is Mike McIntyre, who joins us from Montreal. Mike, what's going on? How are you doing? Bonjour, mon ami. <laughs> Turn into uh, a little French, you know. I've been here almost a week now, so. How, um, what, what was the mood in Montreal on the weekend after a pretty disappointing Friday night? Yeah, it was pretty sour, Huss. Uh, the city was ready to, to celebrate, ready to party. You had all the ingredients. I mean, yeah, they dropped the first two down in Tampa, which wasn't the start, obviously, the Habs wanted. But uh, as the saying goes, you're you're never in trouble till you lose a game on home ice, right, in a playoff series. So Friday was kind of Montreal's chance to get back into this series. Um, they they kind of got hit with a double whammy, of course, the, the blow from the public health officials uh, earlier in the day that – uh, rejected the plea to have uh, 10,500 fans in the building. So they were stuck at, at 3,500, and that touched off a bit of a, a firestorm locally. I can tell you there was a lot more than 10,000 people outside the building on what was just a beautiful Friday night weather-wise. So you had all the ingredients for a you know, real celebratory atmosphere. And then, of course, the lightning come out and strike twice very quickly uh, in the blink of an eye. Uh, taking the reduced crowd out of the game. I, I tweeted that I'm not sure uh, who is more responsible for taking the crowd out of the game, the Lightning or Tampa or uh, Montreal health uh, officials for reducing the crowd size. But yeah, it was a, it was a somber mood for sure. I was a bit curious as I walked back late at night to my hotel from the rink in, here in downtown Montreal, um, you know, what, what, what the atmosphere would be like. And I was happy to see that people were well behaved. There was a lot of police uh, out and about. And I suspect tonight there'll probably be even more given um, well, this city's history of maybe not, not taking things that well. Uh, you know, there was some, there was some incidents in fact, after they beat Vegas in the third round. So um, we'll see what happens tonight, but yeah, this series really does feel like it's, it's over and I guess it's a question now, really, Huss, of whether the uh, the Habs can maybe squeak out a victory here. If, if I'm Tampa, to be perfectly honest, I'd rather win this on home ice. I mean, they, they <laughs> won it last year in Edmonton. I'm not suggesting they're going to throw the game tonight, but they're a good enough hockey team that they could probably just kind of half-ass it tonight <laughs> and, you know, and, and finish the job Wednesday night in, in Amelie when there's going to be 18,000 people there. Yeah, I, I had that thought as well. I mean, and you know, the atmosphere in some of those American buildings has been so good. And it's been yeah. something that everyone has been missing. Um, it would, it certainly, I think, would be much better for the game, for the league, just to have those scenes with the full house. But I don't think John Cooper wants to play another game. He wants to get that thing and uh, get the cup on the plane and bring it back to Tampa um, going forward. But you're right. I mean, long odds for the Habs. And to me, really, Mike, I mean, their chance to get in this series was game number two. I mean, they played so well in that game. And, you know, they just weren't able to finish the job and beat Andre Vasilevsky. Um, And I guess tonight, I mean, many of the people in the building, if the Lightning do get the job done, are going to have to make a pretty difficult decision when it comes to the Conn Smythe Trophy, which really, from most circles, sounds like it's coming down to the netminder or Nikita Kucherov, who was uh, about as fresh as any player in the national hockey league coming into the playoffs, Mike, as you touched on in your column. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, and poor Braden Point, he's leading the playoffs in, in goal scoring. He's got 14 and nobody's even talking about him. That's how deep and talented this Tampa team is. I mean, Steven Stamkos is, is third on the team in scoring. Again, nobody talks about him. They just have depth all over this lineup. I mean, you look at Alex Kalorn has missed the last couple games with an injury. And they get a guy like Matthew Joseph who comes into the lineup. He's a heck of a player, Huss. Uh, and he's a guy like on almost every other NHL team, not only is he on the roster and in the lineup, he's probably playing for sure in a top nine role and, and he can't even get in the lineup, you know, unless there's an injury with Tampa. And as you mentioned, and as I wrote in my column today in the free press, like this is a Tampa team, depending on whether Kalorn plays tonight, sounds like he'll be a game time decision. If Alex Kalorn plays, they're going to ice a lineup tonight. Uh, I did the math yesterday that will be uh, about $90 million. The salary cap's 81.5. If Kalorn doesn't play and Joseph remains in, then I believe it's just north of $86 million. However you cut it, they're way over the salary cap. Uh, But of course, there is no salary cap in the the playoffs. Uh, I don't totally understand why that loophole wasn't closed. And Tampa Bay, I guess to their credit, They've exploited it. And, uh, you know, whether they were just really, really lucky with the timing of Kuchin's injury and the surgery that was kind of put off. Uh, and, and look at that. It timed out just beautifully for him to be ready for game one and to hit the ground running as, you know, the best player really in these playoffs. Um, and Stamkos, I mean, he goes on LTIR and they make the David Savard trade. And they only have to pay 25% of his salary because old friend Stevie Iserman decides, okay, throw us a draft pick and we'll pick up 25%. Like everything is coming up Tampa Bay. And it's why I suggested a little bit tongue in cheek, but you know, to me, if, if, and when Tampa wins, and I suspect they're going to tonight, if not Wednesday, uh, the whole thing is going to feel a little bit tainted to me. It really is um, because sure. They, they didn't break any rules the NHL says they investigated, they found nothing nefarious, but it does feel like a real uneven playing field here. And, and not just because of the salary cap issue. Uh, we talked about the attendance. You got 18,500 at Amelie Arena, you got 3,500 in Montreal. This really does feel like an NHL team versus a minor league team. And it's too bad because Montreal was such a great story through three rounds, uh, but the clock struck midnight for Cinderella clearly Mike I'm looking at the um the Lightning's roster here you've got Barkley Goudreau who's a UFA at the end of the playoffs right Blake Coleman who has been such a huge addition in these two cup runs the last couple years um for Tampa he's a UFA uh you got one more year for Palat at 5.3 one more year for Braden Point before he's going to get paid and paid big time. I can't help but, you know, think going into this game that if Tampa wins, this um, this will be as good of a Stanley Cup champion team as we've seen in a very, very long time. But this team is going to look significantly different next year uh, because they really don't have any other choice. I'm looking hot at the same thing you are. I believe they already have. Uh, over $85 million in salary committed to next year's roster, players under contract for next year. And that $85 million is for, by my count, 19 hockey players. You need 23 on a roster. They're already well over the salary cap. 
Uh, this is the last hurrah. Uh, you know, I mean, they're as great a Houdini act maybe as they pulled off this this season with with Kucherov and whatnot. I don't think there's any escaping their salary issues uh, going into this offseason. They're they are going to have to purge this roster, make some significant changes. And yeah, I mean, this feels the closest maybe we'll get to a modern day dynasty, right? It's it's hard to win two in a row in a salary cap era. And it just doesn't happen. The fact is we haven't had back to back. The Pittsburgh Penguins did it a few years ago. But other than that, you have to go back to the 90s to see the last time this was happening. And I think it's it's become very, very difficult. So two in a row and, you know, two very unusual seasons for sure. Like consider this, if Tampa wins tonight, this will be their second straight Stanley Cup. Both of them captured in Canada, essentially in bubbles, uh, <laughs> which is just bizarre. Uh, so, you know, I think for that reason, that's another reason why they'd love to win it back on home ice and, and give their fans, you know, a, a, a bit of a reward. But, um, you know, I think with Tampa, for sure, th- this is the end of the road for the roster as certainly they have some pieces in the system. They could probably plug some of those holes. But, yeah, they're going to have to to make some purges here in the offseason. And that's not to say they won't be a very competitive team next year. I suspect they will be. They, they still will have a hell of a core, uh, but a three-peat is probably going to be a lot more tougher than the two-peat was. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Mike, uh, this, the series could be over tonight, and I think we'd all agree a bit of a dud considering what we've yeah. seen from some of the other playoff series so far. Um, but you're there, you're on the ground. There's um, more media at this event than we've seen at anything in the National Hockey League for the right. last couple of years. Outside of this series, what are people talking about on press row right now? And uh, I would imagine this Blackhawks situation is still sort of top of mind for just about everyone covering the National Hockey League beat. Yeah, it certainly is. And of course, the Blackhawks made some additional news last week. Uh, I wrote about it as well. But uh, Jonathan Taze, you know, breaking his silence uh, specifically on, on his health issues. And that, that got a lot of buzz around the final here as well. Um, you know, with regards to his revelation of what kept him out and the fact that he had actually battled COVID sort of before the pandemic actually hit. And the fact that he may be, he says he thinks he's likely one of those long haulers and that that's contributed uh, to some of his physical issues um, you know, obviously the tragic death today, my goodness, what an awful story out of Columbus. Um, you know, just just horrible circumstances, a fireworks accident of all things to, to claim a, you know, a promising young goaltender there. So, you know, there's been a lot of news for sure outside of the final itself, Huss. And, you know, we're, we're going to hit the, the offseason here and there's going to be a ton happening in the next couple of weeks. The Olympics, that's another huge talking point here at the final. and. We're down to the wire here uh, to, to, to learn once and for all whether NHL players will be going to Beijing, uh, you know, next February. The NHL sort of promised the players that they were going to make that happen, but uh, there's no deal in place right now. And the schedule is going to get released in about two weeks from now. Is it going to include an Olympic break? Will there be two schedules released? We've got the expansion draft as well. And you know, that's generating a lot of buzz. And then, of course, the, the amateur draft that is a real crapshoot this year with so many of these top prospects, you know, having such limited viewings. And then, yeah, free agent frenzy. So this is shaping up to be 
one heck of a busy few weeks. And it almost feels, given how lopsided the Stanley Cup final has been, to be perfectly honest, Hus, it feels like the Cup final is being overshadowed by so many other things. Well, yeah, I mean, the Cup final itself isn't doing a lot to uh, <laughs> maybe try and take over that that news bit. Right. But, I mean, you know, we've talked a lot over the past couple of weeks about you know these reports about what happened with the Blackhawks in 2010. And, you know, we know that there's an investigation going on right now. But it seems like for a while people read the reports and no one did much about it. And then it sort of grew and grew. And it, I don't want to say exploded, but I mean, you're having far more in-depth reporting on what happens. And it, it seems like it's a problem that's growing for them. I've got to ask you, Mike, I mean, certainly for the Blackhawks, I mean, Stan Bowman is in a very strange situation right. as not only the GM of the Blackhawks, but also the GM of USA Hockey for the upcoming Olympics. I mean, you wonder what that drops, but I also wonder for someone like Kevin Sheveldea, who was with the team at the time, um, you know, listen, there are going to be questions. How right. much, how how present is this story going to be as some of these guys that aren't even with the Blackhawks anymore try and do their jobs through a very busy July, as you mentioned? Well, that's the thing. So, you know, I, I assume Stan Bowman has declined to speak through the Blackhawks at this point because I haven't seen anything specific from him. I can tell you, Kevin Sheveldayoff through the Jets, they've declined to to make comment. And, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff, to this point, he had the sort of garbage bag day, you know, when the Jets were eliminated before this kind of hit the news cycle. Uh, but Kevin Sheveldayoff will be speaking, uh, you know, as we get into the draft and free agency, the expansion draft, there's going to be many avails. I can guarantee you we're going to ask Kevin Sheveldayoff about it. Uh, I suspect he'll be prepared to be asked about it. What he says will be interesting. Um, you know, so far the Jets have just referred all inquiries to the Blackhawks, which isn't particularly helpful because the Blackhawks really aren't saying anything either. Uh, and of course, a lot of people will hide behind the well. There's litigation going on, so we have to be careful what we say here. I, I, I'll say this Gary Bettman was asked about it repeatedly last week. Um, you know, in his sort of state of the union. And, and I really wasn't a fan of how he handled it. I mean, he, the commissioner to me, Huss, didn't give it the weight that it deserved, almost seemed dismissive of it. Um, and this, despite the fact that there are multiple players from that team on the record, there's an assistant coach from that team on the record, confirming that this was well known. Um, so we are past in my eyes anyways, Simply, you know, allegations without any kind of merit whatsoever. Like there is some serious smoke here, if not an outright fire. And, you know, to me, the the way that this has been handled publicly by some of the, the by the league, by the Blackhawks, it's almost as if they're just hoping it'll all quietly go away. Well, I don't think it's going to quietly go away. It, it absolutely should not quietly go away. And I, I would agree with you, Huss, as we get into the, sort of silly season here of the NHL with, you know, free agency draft, all that. And all of these GMs and, and individuals who were part of that, that roster at the time, they're going to get asked about it repeatedly. And uh, they best have sort of a plan of, of how they plan to respond to it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're, to your point about hoping it was going to go away. I mean, I think that goes back to 2010. I mean, it's pretty clear that, you know, when you are, faced with the information from all accounts that was brought to them by Paul Vincent. Um, it's pretty clear. I think what the right thing to do is, and it's pretty clear that that wasn't done. Right. And the fact that it was 
you know, for all intents and purposes, reported as common knowledge amongst just about everyone there. I mean, guys on other teams knew what was happening. Yeah. The fact that, you know, it went this long without anything happening. And, you know, then, of course, the reports come out and now it's being dealt with says exactly that. Um, we we're hoping just to turn your head the other way and hope that the problem went away. And that, for a lot of people involved, I think is going to be far more problematic. Um, it's the reaction to what happened after they found out and after they knew. For sure. And, you know, so to go back to Jonathan Taze, who spoke last week, I, I didn't speak with Jonathan, um, but Mark Lazarus, uh, the beat reporter in Chicago of The Athletic did. This is after Jonathan Taze released his Instagram video, uh, you know, talking about his sort of health issues. And Mark Lazarus asked Jonathan Taze, who, of course, was the captain of the Blackhawks, still is the captain, but was the captain of, of that team, you know, what he knew. And, and again, I, I found... And without sort of hearing the audio and maybe the full context of the answer, it's tough to totally gauge it. But from what was reported in print, um, it left me wanting, that's for sure. Uh, you know, again, based on what some of these former players who've spoken publicly um, and others have had to say, like Jonathan Taze is captain. Uh, it, how did he not know about this? And what what did he do about it as captain? Um you know, I, I he was 21 at the time. That's interesting. I mean, you know, I was kind of looking at the roster, you know, once we heard about this, then you naturally go back and, okay, who is on this team? Right. And I mean, he and Kane were 21 years old at the time. Um, yeah. And, you know, and yeah, he was a young captain in the league, but I mean, they were the youngest regular players on that squad. Now, again, we don't know the identity of this player. We don't know whether they were, you know, a black ace that had been in Rockford that come up. I mean, none of those details right. are out. And I imagine at some point um, they might be. But the, the the thing is, even at 21, and, and I feel for some of the other guys that are in, that have been put in a bad position, and I'll put Shevel Dayoff in that group and yeah. Mark Bergevin. I mean, when this sort of information has come up, I mean, the meeting that we've heard that it was brought to, none of those individuals were involved. No. Stan Bowman was there. The president of the organization was there. And to be honest, when a situation like that happens and you're a middle manager guy, just to, to say, um, A, you might not be updated on all that, especially something as serious um, as this situation. I'm sure they probably thought that at least officially, maybe the less people that knew about this, the better. Um, and certainly if I was one of those guys, that would be the same thing. But as the time, as time has gone on, um, now, rightly or wrongly, um, you know, all of these names are being brought up and right. you know, even people that had nothing to do with it or thought that it was being handled correctly by the people at the top of the food chain that were supposed to. Now, um, now just at least you're going to have to deal with this and ask a bunch of questions, not necessarily that, you know, they were in position that they did anything wrong, because, as I said, it was far above their pay grade at the time where that where that situation went to. And those were the people that dealt with it. Of course, for other local links, they're not with the Jets anymore. But Andrew Ladd and Dustin Bufflin, of course, were also members of of that team. And neither of them are sort of in the position where we can just easily ask them about it. But, uh, you know, it is happening. I mean, I saw I think it was Brent Sopel um, or sorry, Nick Letty, uh, who was recently asked after the Islanders got eliminated. Uh, Letty, I believe, was part of that roster. Or he would have been very young at the time. But uh, so it's one of those things for sure, Huss, where you're, you're connecting as many dots as you can. And and the, 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 the net is going to be a very wide one for sure. And the longer that, you know, the people that would have been in the absolute know, 
the people who've specifically been named here, the longer that they remain silent, the more this is going to fester for sure. And so, you know, at this point, we know the Blackhawks have uh, retained uh, a former prosecutor, former federal prosecutor. I have my concerns about the optics of the Blackhawks themselves being the one to go out and say, okay, now we'll, we'll get an investigation going. But we're told this is going to be independent. One of my big concerns with Gary Bettman and the way he discussed it last week, Huss, is he won't even commit to making the findings public, um, which to me, I mean, that should have been an easy step. Like, yeah, once we know, once we have our answers, we'll, we'll be transparent about them. Nobody's promising transparency here, which just leads me to worry that they're going to try and continue to sweep this under the carpet as it's been done for more than a decade. I guess if there's one positive is that there is litigation going on, which can compel individuals to, you know, to testify under oath, that sort of thing, give evidence. So um, the process is underway for sure to get to the bottom of this, but it may take some additional time. Hey, Mike, before we go, um, you know, as soon as this series over uh, is over, the entire focus is going to be on the off season as you laid out. Yeah. Um, I mean, just as far as I mean, we talked about some of the other people on the periphery of this. Um, I can't imagine what it's going to be like for Stan Bowman. I mean, trying to do his job going forward. I mean, that that situation itself is in part of me with where it's at right now. Um, I'd be shocked if they don't have uh, a plan um, if he has to be put on leave or right. some sort of a separation from that. But anyways, that we'll find out going forward as far as the Jets go. Um, when we get out of this cup series and you're back solely focusing on the jets on a day-to-day basis, what's the number one? I mean, we've obviously got the expansion draft coming up, but um, is, is Andrew caught maybe his situation, the thing that will be top of mind and most of the media will be focusing on considering that in a lot of ways sort of seems like it's the next domino to fall before you have some clarity for the draft. Yeah, I mean, I think Cop and Neil Pionk, right? You'd like to have some clarity of what kind of numbers those guys are going to come in at. And so you know what you're dealing with. We know the cap is not going up. Um, and so, you know, the Jets have to work within the template of that. And, I mean, to me, I think the number one issue still has to be what are they doing about the blue line? I mean, I can tell you as a Winnipegger here with a lot of hockey media, I get asked all the time about Winnipeg's defense and and what the Jets are planning to do. And, uh, you know, I wrote a piece the other day about the two cup finalists and maybe what the Jets can learn from them. And I think one thing is pretty clear. You look at the blue lines of both these teams, big, skilled, you know, mean, nasty blue lines. um, And the Jets need more of that. And if they want to get kind of to that next level. So, you know, I, I think there's a few things for sure. I mean, we can talk, you know, Stanley or Appleton, like who might they lose in the expansion draft? Yeah, Klopp and Pionk, what are, as RFAs, what do their deals look like? Are they bringing any of their UFAs back? Is Matthew Pro or Paul Stasny, Tucker Pullman, are those guys gone for good? But to me, still, the number one priority is what the heck are they doing about the blue line, whether it's in free agency or a big trade, Um the Jets have to address that blue line. And right now, of course, the only guys under contract, the, of the regulars, are Josh Morrissey, Dylan DeMello, and Neil Pionk as an RFA. Um, there's a lot of movement that could happen this summer when it comes to their blue line. And I'm very curious to see what it looks like in, in a few weeks from now. 
Yeah. Um, as far as cop goes, I am quite interested as to see how this plays out. And I'll give Chevel Day off and the Jets, you know, a tremendous amount of credit for how successful they've been in the past with re-signing their players that, right. you know, they've drafted and developed. And you know, we can go down the down the roster. I mean, I don't you know and everyone knows the examples. I mean, plenty of Winnipeg Jets have gone to that. Many of them did not though first go to arbitration with the club coming out of their first deal. And I remember Reem and I had uh, Andrew Kopp on the program uh, back at the old station after that. And, you know, I love Andrew Kopp for a number of reasons, but his honesty, I mean, there's no BS when he speaks. And he was pretty clear that that entire process was, um, was not fun to go through. Um, I don't want to say there was a ton of hard feelings afterwards, but it wasn't, um, Put it this way, it wasn't the interview we normally have with the guy no. that's just signed a new contract. Um, I wonder if that at all plays into um, this upcoming negotiation. Because, man, I mean, he certainly came through on his side of the bargain. I mean, he had a career year, a very important player for the Winnipeg Jets. And um, I have no doubt that the Winnipeg Jets would like to keep him here long term. And again, he is a restricted free agent. But uh, I'm very interested to see how this goes. Um, is he Kurt Overhart guy too? He is. Oh, he is God. indeed. So we're mixing in Kurt as well to the mix. Um, Kurt, Kurt Overcharge, yeah. as, the, uh, as, as the saying. So how do you see this play out? Let me ask you, Huss, if, if you're signing Andrew Kopp long-term, it's, it, his number has to start with a four, right? Uh, after the season that he just had, I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, talking the, about, you know, four five, six years for sure. The Jets just re-upped Adam Lowry for five years at, at 3.25. And to me, I mean, I, I think Andrew Kopp's got to be pushing 4 million a year. I mean, so, so yeah, would he's, he's 26. I mean, if you're looking at a, a five year deal, if if you're trying to, you know, maybe something similar with, with Adam Lowry's deal, like, are you doing a five-year, twenty million? You know, five at four. Like, can that get it done? I mean, I don't know. Uh, and he is arbitration eligible for sure. Which, <laughs> if you're the Jets, I mean, I think that has to Round scare two. you a little bit. For me, Round two. Well, yeah, exactly. And and you know, of course, this would walk him right into. So so you risk losing the player. Like is what I'm saying. Uh, you know, if he gets an arbitration award here, like he's as good as gone in my eyes. Um, you know, he probably then says, screw this, <laughs> you know, these guys fought me twice now on my contract. I, I'm not staying here beyond, uh, you know, my, th- the end of this deal. And I believe it would be a one year arbitration award this year. So he'll be gone next year. So, you know, to me, yeah, you have to look at locking Andrew. Andrew Kopp is so valuable because of what he brings, the, the ability to play on your top line, your third line, check, score, um, you know, leadership qualities that are as good as anybody on the team. And of course, the versatility that he can play center or wing. All of that to me suggests that that his number has to be, you know, four million plus. How much higher than four million? I mean, I'm sure he'd like it a little higher. I'm sure Kurt Overhart would like to go as high as possible. And it's going to be a tough negotiation for sure with a flat salary cap that does not help matters one bit. Yeah, no, yeah. you're you're bang on on that, Mike. Um, did they have to get this done before the expansion draft about COP in particular? Or do they have to have clarity? And the reason I ask is, to your point, I mean, if they basically say, listen, this offer is not in the ballpark, this is what we want, and it's right. clear that maybe they could be heading to arbitration again, um, getting one year out of the player, whatever the arbitrator sa- arbiter says, 
and then losing as an unrestricted free agent. If they thought that that potentially was going to happen, does that change their thinking of protecting players for Seattle? Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, I don't think you'd leave him exposed, even if you thought you weren't going to sign him. I think you'd, you'd look at trading him, right? Because yeah. that there's an, you're not going to give him away for nothing. Um, I, so to answer your question, no, it doesn't have to be resolved. And in fact, I suspect it won't be. For example, if, he, if, he, if they go the arbitration route, I believe there's zero chance the arbitration hearing is going to be before the expansion draft. It's going to happen after uh, the expansion draft. So the Jets, I would expect, would still use one of those seven protective forward slots on Andrew Kopp, just as they will use one on RFA Neil Pionk if a deal is not done uh, by then. You know, Logan Stanley is also an RFA, and I suspect they're not going to use a protection spot on him unless there's some kind of deal swung. But yeah, I mean, you'd like to have clarity for sure, because again, you want to know, number one, if you're keeping the player and number two, how much you're paying them and what that leaves you when it comes time to maybe go shopping. You know, I believe July 28th is, is unrestricted free agency day. So, um, you know, you'd like to have those issues solved. I don't know that they will though, because I think these are, difficult negotiations. And, and if recent history is any indication, uh, this could be a long one. Uh, I just have to ask. So you think that Stanley's going to be exposed? Well, I mean, if they go the, the seven, three, one route, they're only able to protect three defensemen. And I, I know there's a lot of talk about exposing Dylan DeMello. Maybe they do expose Dylan DeMello. He's signed for three more years at $3 million. I suspect Seattle would love to take a guy like Dylan DeMello. That'd be a nice start, you know, on their blue line. Um, to me, it, it really comes down to DeMello or Stanley because they're not going to, I know there's some people that would like Josh Morrissey to be exposed because people think Seattle wouldn't take him. That's not happening, folks. Josh Morrissey's not being, he's going to be protected. Uh, he's the assistant captain. He signed a long-term deal here. Yeah, he's had a couple tough years. I think the Jets still very much believe in Josh Morrissey. They're not leaving him exposed to Seattle. So uh, it really comes down to DeMello or pending RFA Logan Stanley. And, you know, to me, um, I, I, I guess I could see it going either way. But, uh, um, you know, part, a big part of me suggests that it tells me that I, I see Stanley being the one and the Jets maybe roll the dice and they lose either Stanley or Mason Appleton, you know, on the forward group, because there's a good young forward that they're going to have to leave unprotected as well. I just still, after the season that he had, what they've put into this player, trading up in the first round, calling their shot two years in junior, two years in the American Hockey League. Then we'll see if he's ready. Came in, play the way he did this year. Just after putting that all in, and such a unique package that Logan Stanley has, um, you know, with his size, Five years is. younger than Dylan DeMello, so absolutely. I mean, there all those yeah. things play into it. I mean, I just still, I, I just, I can't imagine them, you know, with the option walking away from that. And I guess the other option, and this is an important thing to figure out. And you know, it's sort of like a poker game trying to figure out what your opponent is doing or what they have. If Del- Dylan DeMello is there, but Mason Appleton is also exposed. Right. I mean, to me, I think Appleton and the potential that he has to play in the middle six of an NHL team at 900 grand coming in on, uh, you know, on a new team. 
I mean, to me, I kind of think that he might be the most attractive guy, especially, and I guess the other big thing, and we'll be spending a couple of weeks of this before the, the rosters come out. It's a lot about what's also available. And if right. there's a ton of defensemen going on, um, but you don't have, there's a bit more of a scarcity of talented younger players on deals like Appleton, you know, maybe it pushes in that day, but you know, there will be a real uh, um, aspect of supply and demand to what is available to Seattle, as well as what other teams want that they might be able to acquire through Seattle after right. they pick players. And I think I can see the jets actually adding to their blue line via that. Yes. route. No, for sure. Hans. That's a, that's a great point. And so Seattle might take a Dylan DeMello, not because they want Dylan DeMello per se, but because they feel they can flip a 28-year-old, you know, good defensive defenseman on a three more years at $3 million. They can flip them to another team for another asset, uh, whether it's a pick or something. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, um, as you say, a, a poker play going on here that creates this fascinating sort of subplot to it all. And, um, you know, one thing we, we do know about Ron Francis is he is a very good poker player. Like, he... He keeps his cards close to the best. And I, I, we may have no clue what he's thinking or what he's doing until the moment that he announces his, his pick. So it's going to be absolutely fascinating. I believe the protection rosters, you know, the list of protected players and available players, that comes out a couple of days before. Seattle then has this window where they can negotiate as well with UFAs. Uh, it does create a very intriguing situation. Um, but you're right. I mean, Mason Appleton may be... Maybe if the choice is Appleton versus DeMello, 25-year-old Mason Appleton, as you say, at a really good 900000 maybe he's the guy that they look at. And, and the Jets, maybe they, they, they can keep then all of those blue liners, uh, Stanley and DeMello, along with Morrissey and Pionk, which would be a good start uh, that they would still very much need to add to in this offseason. But uh, yeah, makes for uh, <clears throat> makes for some good drama down the stretch here, for sure. No doubt about it, Mike. Um, thanks so much for doing this. I know uh, the media is excited. It's a good thing you lost that hundred pounds because uh, I hear that the world famous yes. GS shows are going to be there for the media tonight, and uh, I want to see. I want to hear about a Joey Chestnut like performance <laughs> by you up in the up in the Bell Center tonight. I am I am planning on smashing one, uh, so I don't think Joey's record is in trouble. But I can tell you, I've had the the Shen shows uh, show Shens before, and they are uh, they are pretty good. Uh, that's for sure. They weren't here on Friday for Game Three. They will be here tonight. And yeah, it's a weird situation, Haas. I'm sitting here talking to you in Montreal. I know I'm flying somewhere tomorrow. Depending on the result of tonight's game, I'm either flying home to Winnipeg. Or flying down to Tampa Bay, where, oh, by the way, Tropical Storm Elsa is expected to make landfall at some point tomorrow. And there's a Tropical Storm warning for Tampa. So let's hope uh, if Montreal loses tonight, hopefully it's peaceful, no riots. But as a few have pointed out to me, there's the potential for riots or tropical storms, depending on where I'm going. So it could be an eventful 48 hours or so. Wear a helmet, buddy. Thanks yeah. for doing this. Um, enjoy uh, and travel safely wherever your next destination yeah. is. And uh, we'll look forward to a few more chats like this on uh, the off season, which is going to be really yeah. interesting, focusing on the Jets in the coming weeks. Thanks for doing this, Mike. All right. Enjoy the game tonight. Appreciate it. There's Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. Give him a follow on Twitter. Check out all of his work at the Winnipeg Free Press as well. All right. That was a great chat with Mike.
Um, do want to thank our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge getting out there in less than two weeks. I am so excited. We'll uh, definitely fire out some picks and vids from our trip out to Aikens. But if you're thinking about um, an incredible world-class vacation on the water in the province of Manitoba, Aikens Lake is the place. They've had to move back a number of their American uh, bookings into later this season or into next year, meaning that some of these primetime dates are available. AikensLake.com or hit them up on Twitter, our good friend Pitt Turen at Aikens Lake. And uh, in a moment, we will get to our Assiniboia Downs wagers for tonight because live racing is back. And don't forget, the dining room is open. Now, reservations are mandatory. You can't just walk up and try and get a table. Uh, but you can reserve a spot to get in, be able to watch some of the live racing from the dining room, and we'll count down the days until the grandstand will be open, even with limited attendance, and we can hopefully get back out there and do a little Winnipeg Sports Talk event. But in the meantime, all the information's at asdowns.com. And before live racing tonight, make sure you check out the ASD live show with Marshall Kirk and stretch. I'll give you their picks for tonight, some insight into the races and um, they do a great job keeping you up to date on the YouTube channel throughout the evening. All bets are made at hpibet.com. You can wager on Cinnaboya downs and tracks around the world at hpibet.com. And Reams and I will get to our picks for tonight a little bit later on. Uh, let's get Remus back in here. Um, that was great stuff with Mike. I could talk to him for hours and um, a lot of interesting things, especially when we sort of look past the potential cup ceremony tonight, Remus, and look into the off season for all the teams in the NHL, but especially the one we focus on here, the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. Who cares about the cup final? I've moved on. Uh, we're focused on the expansion draft and the NHL draft. Uh, I do wonder if we will see a celebration at home in Tampa, but I think, you know, people are, board of this series it hasn't although montreal i think they played okay the other game uh was it game two game two they were great yeah, the game mean, they two, just couldn't get it done they couldn't and, beat vasilevsky and game two was close for like you know half a game but then tampa pulled away i mean they're they're the superior team uh we're you know montreal's finally crashed the question is will we see the first sweep since someone asked in chat 1998 red wings over uh washington capitals i remember that series well but um as far as the expansion draft, yeah, I think the Jets, you know, maybe we'll do our official, uh, what our official picks, but I'm of the opinion, I think it's going to be Cop or Appleton. I'm kind of curious what happens with Cop's contract. I mean, do they sign him? Do they trade him? Um, is he back next year? Um, because, you know, he had that arbitration and I know he was upset about it. He says it's not affecting going forward, but I don't believe everything a player says. So, uh, we will see about that. As far as Logan Stanley, I know a lot of people love him. A lot of people see potential, and you see the Jets' investment. But you look at the results, and I mean, I think they didn't really trust him in high spots. And he's a third-pairing defenseman. You saw what happened to the team. He when was Demello a rookie. Was they don't trust. They don't trust any rookies in high yeah, spots. I, I mean, Billy Hanel didn't even get into the lineup. I don't I, think. I, yeah. uh, listen, I, I don't think that is a knock on Stanley. Yeah. And you know, as I say, they've got a plan for the way they you get these young players ready for the national hockey league. And it's a little different on the blue line than it is up front. But I mean, I don't take, I, I think everything that Logan Stanley did this year increased the likelihood of him being with the Winnipeg jets next season. And listen, maybe it does come back to some sort of a deal like they did with Vegas and say, yeah, okay, we'll give you this. And you agree to take Chris Thorburn and, you know, potentially it's, um, you know, Nate Beaulieu or one, one of the players that, 
you know, maybe isn't as much fitting into their plans for next year, but there's some picks or another asset that goes Seattle's way. It, it is going to be very fascinating to, to see, and that'll be something that'll dominate quite a few of our conversations before we get to the expansion draft. And man, that la- those last couple of weeks in July, Reem, are going to be wild. The expansion draft goes on the Wednesday, the 21st. The amateur draft is on Friday, the 23rd. You come back after the draft, you kind of recap all the moves, everything that happened in the league, and then free agency opens on Wednesday, July 28th. So, I mean, the last two weeks of July, in addition to bomber training camp and everything getting ramped up for CFL season, will be all hockey. And then the league will go quiet for really just a couple, two, three weeks in August. And at that point, we'll be diving headfirst into live bullets for CFL football back on the field here, coast to coast. Yeah, so uh, we you know a couple weeks away. We have the free agent frenzy, not on Canada Day. Thankfully, I was able to enjoy it on Thursday and not be inside uh, watching TSN all day. Although you know, with the heat, maybe you needed some time inside. But yeah, the we got the expansion draft, the draft, free agency, and then we'll be talking about all the new you know transactions. And then I'll probably forget what you know all the player changes till uh, you know the next season starts up. But there is stuff going on, and we did have a busy um, sports week. I know people. In chat, want to be like, hey, when you guys, you guys miss, you guys hear, uh, hear some uh, hot dog analysis. We haven't touched on it yet. We'll be uh, getting to that. Well, you know what? We may as well get right to that coming out of the weekend. There was a couple other, you know, maybe, well, this was absolutely the headline. I mean, we all witnessed greatness again from the goat of goats, the most transcendent athlete of our times, one Joseph Chestnut, who, um, didn't just win his 14th mustard belt at Coney Island yesterday or in Brooklyn. Um, He didn't just beat the entire field. He beat himself and showed what a true champion he was. I mean, I talked on the weekend going in that I was liking the value of the under 30, uh, sorry, 73.5 hot dogs and buns eaten in that in competition, Joey had only done beaten that twice. Um, last year he did it in perfect eating conditions indoors it wasn't going to be and the other side of it is that there really is nobody in the field that can push Joey Chestnut to the levels that maybe he needs to to keep on breaking records but that's what differentiates Joey Chestnut from everybody else the heart of a champion where he is his only competition and he didn't just beat the over-under of 73 and a half he knocked it out of the park 76 hot dogs and buns um, it was another transcendent performance by a man who um, we are just lucky, Remus, to be walking the earth during the time of Joey Chestnut. I'm pretty sure uh, Mark Shafley got a new goat and named it Joey Chestnut. Uh, that is how <laughs> unbelievable he is. I just heard over the weekend uh, because I don't think we're appreciating. I mean, to win a national uh, competition like that, what, 14 times? And I love the graphic they show up, you know, Bill Russell, NBA titles, Rafael Nadal, French Open titles, was it Henri Richard, Stanley Cups, Joey Chestnut trumps all of them. And the analytics analytics they've shown, I think they were comparing the height of his hot dogs eaten on the broadcast to the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, he passed the Statue of Liberty. They're getting to the Empire State Building now, I believe. He passed the um, thousand dog mark before, like career dogs in the Nathan's Famous. So, I mean, and I, I think all people commenting in the chat, you know, maybe the part of the actual eating of the uh, hot dogs is uh, pretty disgusting. And I would agree with that. However, 
the intros, the theatrics. Um, George Shea. Of, the of the, Speaking yeah, is, of goats. Is incredible. Uh, even Bruce Arthur's. Like, this is the best intro I've ever seen for any person. Uh, Joey <laughs> Chestnut's intro. So, I mean, you can watch all that. Uh, but again, it wasn't it wasn't close. I know you were over. You said the under, and you told a lot of people here on the to get under seventy three and a half dogs. Has I put money on that? That was the value. That yeah. was the value bet. You know what was crazy? I think I legitimately did move the line because when we talked about it on the lock shop and here on the program last week, uh, the uh, the under was plus one fifty. It quickly dropped to plus one forty. Then it dropped to plus one twenty. And if you wanted to bet the under right before the beginning of the hot dog contest, it was down to minus 105. So getting in at that number, I mean, I could have sort of hedged and put a bigger number on the minus 120 to actually do it and sort of guaranteed at least a minimal profit. But listen, we're not betting huge money on the hot dog contest. Um, And I guess the other thing, Reem, that we didn't mention, I mean, maybe the greatest upset in sports in the last 20 years was the 2015 hot dog contest where Matt Stoney shocked the world and shocked Joey Chestnut and won the mustard belt eating 62 hot dogs and buns as about a nine or 10 to one underdog. Stoney wasn't in the event this year. And I've been looking up. I mean, he's still killing it on YouTube. He's got a massive following has been involved in some other events. Um, it was somewhat surprising not to see the only man that's beaten Joey Chestnut in hot dogs and buns in the last 15 years, not being in New York for the big event yesterday. Yeah, I'm not sure what, I haven't looked into a situation. I, you know, I did, you were touting the under as the value bet. Someone messaged me on the weekend saying, hey, I've seen a lot of Joey's recent TikToks. Uh, he's on his game. <laughs> and look, I'm not upset about losing that. Sometimes you just got to be like, man, you got beat by uh, by the GOAT. The guy's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, as you know, what? tip your hat to a legend. As disgusting as you think or as appalled you might be that they're showing hot dog eating on Sports Center the 4th of July. One, there's really nothing else going on. Uh, I know they had like, I think, 100,000 people watch, close to 100, watching it on TSN. However, there were issues with the ESPN feed, which, how do you not have you? This is the biggest day of the year for this competition. If you're Major League Eating in Georgia, you've got to be livid. Uh, Can with you ESPN. Imagine, imagine missing eight minutes of the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl? Yeah, um, that's I'm, basically what happened yesterday on the 4th of July. Um, I, I joked I was on with Nielsen in this morning breaking down what happened yesterday. And I said, like, can you imagine the ESPN offices this morning? I mean, there are a lot of people that were worried that, you know, maybe maybe their time is up because to have a screw up of that magnitude at that moment that happened multiple times during a 10 minute event was absolutely inexcusable. And uh, I got a feeling some heads are going to roll, unfortunately. I mean, uh, that's, that's what happens in the sports business. But um, anyways, Joey's the best. George Shea, the introduction is the best. And I will tell you, the intro going into last night was just, you know, I don't know, looking at some other content related. George Shea and Badlands Booker did a rap video together. And it is amazing. So check that out. If you just put in George Shea, Badlands Booker, or uh, Major League Eating has it. I believe it's linked onto their YouTube page. Um, you will certainly enjoy that. So that was a highlight and, I mean, a tough L. But listen, you all know I get fired up for July 4th because it means it's Joey Chestnut time. Remus, the other notable thing that I was far happier with with the result on the weekend was my debut as a professional wrestling color commentator for CWE. I'm not sure if people saw it on Shaw TV on Friday night. 
It's now available on YouTube right now. Um, I know it was interesting. I'd never done it before. There wasn't a lot of time to prepare for it. Just sort of got thrown in, Reem. But uh, overall, I think for a first for a first timer, uh, it went pretty well, and I'm very excited to do it again. Is it, are you confirmed going to be back on CW Canada's Wrestling Elite, the uh, local wrestling promotion? Very, uh, very solid product. We've witnessed it in person, but I, uh, I tuned in to your analysis. I mean, you were. It seemed like that was uh, where you've belonged all along, uh, <laughs> as a professional wrestling commentator. I was watching. Um, I think someone come in. And you're like, oh, that's a disgusting act. Like pulling out all the. <laughs> Joe Buck, hyperbole. Um, I was very, I wasn't sure what to expect, Huss, but your work was really impressive. So it's on YouTube. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, go to my, if you just go to my Twitter feed at Hustlerama, I think I tweeted a link of it yesterday. I think I first kind of come in in the first match about three minutes in. Got to give a shout out to Dave Patrician, the sports doctor. Great follow on Twitter as well. Great guy. He was, uh, doing the play-by-play i was doing the color and uh yeah so i believe the next couple episodes i'll be on unfortunately they're doing an internet pay-per-view in two weeks on the weekend when i'm going to be away at akins otherwise i would absolutely jump at that you gotta opportunity ca- you gotta cancel the trip man yeah it's a, it's a pay-per-view the trip due to the pay-per-view i know that's i'm finding that out the wrestling business it's uh it's a grind. You got to be able to do that. But anyways, thanks to the guys for doing that. It's CWE Canada on uh, on YouTube, and if you want a link to check it out, you can check my uh, check my uh, my link. By the way, for everyone that's with us right now, if you're on the podcast, make sure to go to WinnipegSportsTalk.com and check the link. The store is live for many of you that maybe were away for the last couple of days after we announced it. Check this out, gang. Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. Absolutely love it. Very high quality stuff. I got a t-shirt as well. They are amazing. Remus has got Remus, what you have the zip, the the zip hoodie on right now, if I'm not mistaken. I'm rocking there it the, is. I'm rocking the zip, uh, the zip hoodie. So uh, I know Nick in chat from DQ picked up a couple mugs today. Boy, so Nick. So yeah, uh cool. a lot of activity uh on the on the opening. So thanks everyone uh, for supporting. That's great. Yeah, a lot of people were wondering uh, how they could support. They wanted to get, so we got this thing set mm-hmm. up. Uh, shipping free uh, or included in the price, so it'll be nice and easy. And uh, we'll do some sort of uh, little thank you contest for everyone that does pick up merch in the next couple of weeks now that we've got this thing going. But in the meantime, uh, we appreciate everyone that's picked up some merch. And uh, wear it, tell your friends, and uh, another great yeah. way for us to kind of help um, spread the word of what we're doing here on Winnipeg Sports Talk every yeah. day. We've had some other request items. Hats, I think, are on the way. They um, are. Hats are on the way. We've got a couple cool new era lids coming in. We did that with our friends yeah. at Royal Sports. We're supposed to get those at some point in July. So as soon as those are available, we'll uh, have them. Yeah. You'll probably be able to just go down to Royal and get them. But we'll figure out a way that if you're away out of the Winnipeg area, to, to send them out to you, but uh, hats are coming and uh, who knows, maybe more things going forward, but the, the basics, the essentials, t-shirts, hoodies, uh, which were the number one things we wanted to get are available right now. And uh, if you're with us in the chat, the store is in the, uh, the link for the store is in the chat. So certainly do that. And by the way, if you are in the chat, uh, give us the thumbs up. Need to get a few more likes on today's episode while we uh, while we finish it up. Um, Remo, I got to get to some cool bet lines and then we will get to the picks for tonight at the Downs. Um, 
Could be the final game of the season. Certainly, that's what the odds makers think. Tampa Bay Lightning, minus 156 favorites. And the Montreal Canadiens, plus 139 underdogs at home. If you think Tampa will again win by two, you can get plus 158 on your money. Uh, all those numbers at cool bet. Total for the game is five and a half. Under, minus 135. Over, plus 120. NBA final is set. Game number one goes tomorrow. The Phoenix Suns are a 5.5 favorite over the Milwaukee Bucks, who are without Giannis Antetokounmpo right now, unlikely to return, which is a huge, huge loss for Milwaukee. To finally get to the finals and not have your franchise player, pretty tough situation. Um, But as far as the series price goes, the Phoenix Suns, the favorite for the series. And you can, you know, there's all sorts of lines on uh, exact numbers, game to be decided in, or just simply to win. It's Phoenix minus 155 and the Bucks plus 150. Euro is set Tuesday, Wednesday. Italy, Spain, Italy plus 148, Spain plus 229, draw plus 219, and England, a big favorite, minus 133. Denmark, a plucky underdog at plus 462. They might get a little sprinkle, but man, the English look good. Blowing the doors off the Ukrainians on Saturday with that 4 nothing win. Tournament outrights right now. England plus 150 to win. Italy plus 210. Spain plus 275. And Denmark is still 10-1. to 1. And you're going to want to check uh, Coolbet as well. We should have a line for Felix Auger Aliasim's match coming up, but in the quarterfinals on the ninth, it's going to be Heron Hachinov against Shapovalov, and Denis Shapovalov is a big favorite, minus 244 to win. All the lines there at coolbet.com. If you've never played before and you want to, use the promo code WST for a 100% deposit bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. Promo code WST at coolbet.com. Lots to get to, Reem. Um, and uh, as I said, we got the, I, I mentioned the NBA, just before we get to our, uh, before we get to our picks, NBA finals is set. But to me, that wasn't the biggest uh, story of the week. Certainly of the weekend in basketball, if you're north of the border. Um, what an absolutely heartbreaking, disappointing loss for Canada's Olympic hopefuls losing to the Czechs in the semifinal of the Olympic qualifying tournament on a home court on Saturday afternoon. And what made this loss so much more devastating was the fact that, you know, on paper, Canada should be running circles around a Czech team with the eight NBA players that they had on it. But you thought that they were out. They came back with a miraculous recovery. Andrew Wiggins hitting a three-pointer with 10 seconds left to tie the game. They were down nine with about two minutes left. They got that done. They got up three points in overtime and then went cold. A couple of the Czech guys made huge, huge shots. And Canada ends with just a, a shocking disappointment. I mean, if you'd said that they lost to Turkey in the final, Maybe. But nobody saw this coming. A Czech team that almost didn't even make it out of the three-team group after barely beating Uruguay by one point and uh, then moving on. So uh, back to the drawing board. Another three years before we'll see Canada going for gold in Olympic basketball. Incredibly disappointing. Haven't been in Olympics for basketball men's since 2000. And you look at the NBA stars, they should be there. I think 
you know, through some of the tournaments leading up to this last chance qualifier, maybe they didn't have the buy-in from some of the big stars. Maybe they will get that uh, over the next four years. Um, I mean, what an incredible, you know, comeback at the end of the fourth. I thought the defense on that, you know, go-ahead shot by Czech Republic was great. They had a play there, too, um, to tie it. Couldn't get it down, you know, hit the rim, bounced out. Uh, I think it's incredibly just It would have been great to see. And, you know, we were talking with John Horn. I kind of laughed when he's like, oh, we're losing to Czech Republic. I know they were massive favorites. Internet Canada and international basketball the last couple of years is just, you know, every big tournament, it hasn't. It hasn't gone well, and you know they have talent. They'll probably you know, be better and stronger. You know, Maybe Jamal Murray will be healthy. R.J. Barrett uh, will be older. But uh, big, big disappointment. You know, my heart, uh, heart kind of sank there watching uh, you know, the shot not. Well, the, first of all, that go-ahead uh, you know, contested layup, or not layup, jump shot off the you know, bank to uh, go ahead for check. What but, an incredible shot by number yeah. eight. I mean, that was... That was such a nails play. Um, but yeah, I mean, just uh, very, very disappointing. And, uh, you know, next time, hopefully Jamal Murray will be there. Um, you know, these young players will be a little bit more mature. Hopefully they'll continue to be committed to the team. And uh, then we'll see what these guys can do on the biggest stage against the top teams in the world. But unfortunately, we won't have our Canadian men's basketball team in the Olympics coming up. Um, all right, Reem, you're the uh, clubhouse leader, as they say. I'm still reeling over the last race on Wednesday. I finally pulled through with a great Quinella, only to have it nullified by a challenge and an inquiry as to the start. So I'm certainly hoping that I'll, uh, I might actually rebet that tonight in addition to the 20 that I'm putting down as part of the uh, duel at the Derby. But where are you starting today with your selections as we uh, as we get going? Let me uh, pull up the the thing, and I'm also I'm hey my streak here is not is not good, so I'm I'm not doing as good. Let me go tracks. You got to go favorites. Cinnaboya Downs. Now pull it up here as well. So we got a bunch of races tonight. I need to get back on, on the win column. It hasn't gone great for me. I'm starting. I'm doing four five dollar bets. We each have twenty dollars. Uh, I'm going race two. I should be taking horse number three, Otani, because he was just named uh, to the all-star or the all-star starter. But I'm not going Otani. I am taking number five, My Father's Eyes. I believe that's an Eric Clapton song. And I'm taking him to win. Uh, The concerts might be coming back soon, so at least in, in Canada. Uh, let's go next one, race five. I am taking a triactor. I'm just giving her $5. I think this is the order. Watch out for this. I'm going six, no more secrets. Then three, Elsie's wish. Then five, true Kate. I need to make up some ground. Six, three, five, triactor box. Those are the program selections. So a bit of a chalk. Not the box, sorry. It's not a tractor box. Six, three, five. That is the order I'm going in. So it has to be that order for me to win. Um, that's a triactor, not a tractor box. So I just need that way. Um, the next one is race six. I am taking horse nine. We need VLTs, please, to to place. <laughs> is that seriously? That's we need VLTs, please, or PLZ. Uh, they couldn't. I guess they couldn't. Is there like a name limit on these horses? Like they couldn't spell please. 
in the name. I'm not. I'm not sure. But I'm taking that horse to place. And last one, race seven. I'm doing a two-three Quinella, Leela Victor, and go wit go. Uh, Leela Victor. I mean that with a name like that, Victor. I think they're destined to be uh, on the podium, right? Well, uh, we will see. Here are my picks. Uh, I'm going to race number one. We're putting five bucks on a four-six Quinella. We are taking. We're doing the same bet in race number two, a two-five Quinella. Then we're moving on to race four, Triactor Box one dollar three five six. And uh, oh, I guess I'm oh. using two bucks of my refunded bet because I just realized I put in. And I'm actually with you with the three. Was it three four six for race five? But I did the box, so I'll have a one dollar bet six ways uh, for those. So I didn't box. I'm living dangerously on that. Uh, you are. Well, trifecta. listen, if you if you get that right with a five dollar bet on a straight thing, that would be uh, that'll be a massive, massive one, much like you did in the first uh, in the first day. So again, there are our picks. We'll see how we do. We'll discuss them tomorrow. Live racing, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. If you're thinking about getting out to the dining room, you can do that right now, but you have to make a reservation. All the information is available at asdowns.com. Man, we had so much going on. I should mention just on the way out, Blue Jays have submitted their proposal to the feds to return to Toronto. Um, You know, still nothing for sure until at least the 21st of July, considering the situation with the border. Uh, but they're hoping to get back to Toronto and their real home relatively soon after being gone for the last couple of years. Um, and it was overall, the series didn't end well for the Jays, but I think going up against a first place team like uh, Tampa, taking two or three, still pretty good for the club who uh, missed the sweep yesterday by losing the finale. Yeah. And shout out to, uh, to a couple of members of the Blue Jays. The all-star rosters are in. Man, look at their starters. Uh, Guerrero Jr. starting. Marcus Simeon starting at second. Teoscar Hernandez in outfield. And also Bo Bichette was named a reserve yesterday. So if you are turning into the All-Star game, you're going to see a number of Jays. Um, you know, Guerrero put on the show in the Home Run Derby a couple years ago. He is not, uh, he's not going to be participating this year. Says he wants to focus on, uh, on recovery. And uh, Otani is in the, is in the home run derby, right? Yeah, man, he's this is going to be, you know, we've been talking about Otani and how awesome he is, but he's going to be pitching, he's going to be batting. I mean, this guy is he's going to be runaway MVP, sorry uh, Guerrero Jr. fans, but if I'm hoping he puts on a show because not enough people uh, know how great this guy is. And usually the All-Star game there's not much else going on. Now we got the kind of cup final, but that's kind of interest in that is kind of going down. So did you read the yeah. did you read the long read uh, on Otani in the Athletic from a couple week, a couple days ago? I did not. Highly recommended if you are an Athletic subscriber. Um, there is a piece, and it, I mean, just off the top of my head, I cannot remember who wrote it, but it goes back to him growing up as a teenage phenom in Japan, playing with the Nippon Ham Fighters, and how they allowed him to both pitch and hit. Um, that he thought of himself differently, the ability to do it, and now what he's doing for the first time since Babe Ruth is absolutely stunning. So um, first guy to make the All-Star game as both a pitcher and a hitter, and he'll be in the All-Star. It's going to be all Otani all the time going into, and of Coors Field. I mean, we've seen what he's been doing, murdering these baseballs around. How 
hard and how far will he be hitting those bombs in basically a glorified BP in Coors Field Dream? Yeah, I know. We, I remember the uh, Coors Field home run derby was a late 90s. We had all the big names. Um, so we will see. But it's kind of, you know, kind of funny. The Angels, you know, with Mike Trout, who's been injured this year, and Otani, like two of the best players of the last, you know, 10 years. And the Angels, like, can't even get into the playoffs. It's really, uh, really sad. And they're 42 and 40, uh, 41, uh, minus 28 run differential. Dave, uh, Dave Carpenter, what up, Dave, in chat? Vladdy Jr. could win the Triple Crown and lose the MVP. <laughs> I mean, yeah. think about that. But it's true. I mean, this is a terrible year to be having a Vladdy-type season because what Otani's doing is just so ridiculous and unheard of that um, it's pretty much no doubt that he will uh, he will be the guy. All right, Reem, before we go, um, we're going to get Game 5. Will Mike McIntyre be flying to Montreal or will he be or to Winnipeg or Tampa tomorrow morning? Yeah, you think Tampa takes their foot off the gas to wait for to celebrate at home, or they just say, you know what, we're just going to win it now? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they've got a, a killer mentality right now, and I think they get it done as much as they would love to do it at home. I think they'll be more than happy just to go back, not play any more hockey, and have a parade and uh, bring that Stanley Cup on their on their flight back to the Bay Area. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's over. They're too good, man. And uh, Montreal, the Cinderella story has come to an end. Um, you know, they went for a couple lineup changes tonight. You know, they changed their bottom two D to put in Kulak and um, Romanov, but like they weren't playing. They haven't played their bottom D pair all season. You know, all series. So I'm not sure how much of an impact. You know, Kukkonen. I mean, I see mixed. I see mixed uh, reaction on Twitter to take him out. Yeah, you know, he's a guy who can score, but maybe he hasn't played that great. Uh, Jake Evans. Is in, so um, I'm still taking Tampa. Let's, yeah, uh, listen, I don't think Evans is going to flip the series and <laughs> have a big, big difference. I, I, it is good. I'm glad to see Romanov get an opportunity. He's a pretty exciting young player, and he's sort of we've been missing seeing him. But hey, listen. And by the way, shout out to Samuel 22. I don't know if Samuel's still here, but uh, he was. Shout out to Samuel and uh, C-Mac as well. A couple of Habs fans that still stick around with us after kind of getting into the room when the Jets were playing the Habs. So good luck to the Habs. I mean, I think just from a hockey fan's perspective, I'd love to have a game five, uh, but it's going to be tough. This Tampa team is absolutely legit. Um, folks, thanks for being with us today. Great show to kick off the week. We've got much more coming in. Hopefully we'll be checking in with some of the Bombers. Valor as well, back on the field, 3-0. and Congrats again to Rob Gale and the lads on this incredible start for their season. Um, and as soon as... The uh, cup is given out. We are all in on a very wild coming weeks in the National Hockey League when it comes to the offseason. So um, thanks again to Nick and Nikki DQ, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bend, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake, Assiniboia Downs, and CoolBet.com. We'll be back tomorrow, 1 p.m. live on YouTube, later on in the afternoon in your podcast feed. Spread the word, hit that like button, rate and review. All that stuff that we need to tell you as internet guys and YouTubers now. Uh, but we really do appreciate the support. And if you haven't already, check out the link for the merchandise available right now. Hoodies, t-shirts, it's great stuff. And uh, thanks to everyone that's picked some up and are wearing them around the city, letting people know about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Folks, have a great night. Enjoy the hockey game this evening. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on WST. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. 
Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 